0: Are you ready to go? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity to come before you this way to hear your word. Let it minister to our hearts. Change us from the inside out so that we may live for you and glorify you in all that we do. And all that agree with that said, amen. Amen. So we're going to continue today on the topic of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that a good, sound good? Christ in us. Wow. The hope of glory. That means we have the glory of the Lord on the inside of us. Church, we need to guard it and watch over it and let it minister to others. Isn't that exciting? What a responsibility that we have, that we're not just mere men, but we have the the Holy Spirit working on the inside of us. And when we grab hold of that, we can release His power. And it's exciting because we can change things, change situations that are facing us and those that are around us. Do you have that confidence to believe that? That God can change your life, and situations that you're facing, and others as well. So we're going to look at this in a little different aspect. Uh, The Bible says that all that we do, do all for the glory of God. Isn't that nice? All that you do, God is watching you. And in this life, we have pressure moments. Do you know that? Crisis situations. Sometimes you get to the fork in the road, and you wonder, like, Lord, which way do I go? There's turning points that we have to make a decision whether to trust in God or give in to the circumstances. Can I get an amen? amen. Uh, There's certain times in our lives that we have to face challenges that we may consider doing something other than what God has told us to do. You know, it's so easy to tell other people, well, just, you know, pay your, pay your taxes, you know, just forgive someone. But sometimes it's a little difficult when it's you, you're experiencing it. There's a time when you think about sinning, but you don't do it. You just think about it. There's th- times when you think about lying, but you just don't do it. That's a pressure point. It's a time when you have to decide, am I going to follow God? There's times when you uh, feel like uh, not forgiving somebody. You know you're supposed to forgive them, but, you, but, you don't, but Lord, you don't know what they did to me. But we have to, that's, that's a pressure point. It's a pressure moment. There's times when you feel like quitting. You entertain, qu- I want to quit, but you don't quit praise God. There's time when you think about compromise and disobeying God, but you don't do it. Why? The Spirit of the Lord is on the inside of you, teaching you, talking to you, encouraging you. Don't do it that way. Don't do it the world's way. Do it my way. And then we see God do great things in our life. Now, if you're having these temptations and these pressure points, don't don't worry about it. That's common to man. Paul said, the things that I want to do, I'm not doing those, but I'm doing things that I say, don't do. He says, who, who, sh- who shall deliver me from this dilemma? It's Jesus Christ on the inside of you that will strengthen you. Amen? So don't think that you're, not, it's, you're abnormal, but that's just the way of life. Now, all through the Bible, there are men and women that have these pressure points, crisis situations, where they have to decide, are they going to follow God? Or are they going to be strong? Or are they going to be courageous? Or are they going to just wilter in under the circumstances? Remember David, David had an opportunity to defeat the giant, Goliath. He could have wilted and said, oh, he's too big, and I'm too small, and I can't do it. But no, what did he say? He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. So whatever you're facing, whatever giant you're facing, you say, I don't care what you're coming at me with, I'm coming to you with the name of the Lord. And he didn't just back off, he ran to the giant. I I like that. He didn't hide, like, okay, I think I'll get him from behind. No, he ran, I'm coming after you, boy. And he just, threw that stone, he fell down, and he didn't just leave him there. Sometimes, you know, we defeat sin, and we just let it sit in there and say, okay, well, that's good. No, he cut off the head. He said, I'm going to knock this thing completely dead, make it completely inactive in my life. (laughs) Praise God. So when you have a temptation, you overcome it, and then you believe, God, that it is dead forever. They try to come back, you know, but you just have to believe that, that you have killed it. Now, Abraham had a moment in time where he had to believe and trust in God when God told him to have a son. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I'm old, Sarah's old, you know, it's over. We don't, I can't believe that. It's too far-fetched. He was at a crossroads whether to believe God or believe the circumstances. And so the Bible says that he considered not his own body, staggered not at the promise of God, but became fully persuaded that what God had promised, he's able also to perform. That's what we have to get to. Consider not our situation. Consider not our body. Stagger not at the promise of God. You mean, God, I can have a child at 100 years old, even though we have never been doing this kind of thing for a while? He said, yeah. So he considered not, Staggered not, but became what? Fully persuaded. Now it takes time to become fully persuaded, doesn't it? Sometimes, you know, a salesman comes to the door and they start talking and you go, oh, no, I don't want you. And they keep talking, keep, no, I don't want you. And they keep persuading you to finally say, okay, I'll do it. Sign me up. You ever been there? Yes. <laughs> so he overcame and he became what? The father of faith. He became famous by. Making a decision, and guess what? These are crossroads in your lives to make you grow spiritually, to teach you how to trust in the Lord. So don't look at it as a test, but look at it as a way to God prove you to move you on to the next level. Amen? Amen. And once you get a couple of these victories in your life, you get kind of confident, like, "Okay, Lord, I know they say this, but I believe in that. I'm believing you. So let's do it together, Lord." Amen. Amen. Put put a put a hip in your in your in your step. Amen? Now, Peter, he had a tough moment, didn't he? He was outside the palace. They were getting ready to crucify Jesus. And one of the little girls said, "Uh, weren't you with him? You sound like him. And he said, no, 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 no. That's not me. I, I don't know him. Amen? Three times he did it. Not once, not twice, but three times. And he was so ashamed. So sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we fail. But Jesus said, I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. In other words, you may fall, but your faith's going to still be there. So sometimes God has plan A, and we have to fall back, or he has to fall back on plan B because we messed up. Some of us are on plan C, some D, E, F, G. I don't know where you are at, but (laughs) you miss it a lot of times. Abraham missed it, right? He lied about his uh, wife. Sarah said, oh, that's not my wife, that's my sister. He did that twice. God didn't throw him away. God's not going to throw you away. Just let's come on. Let's move on to the next uh, trial, next test. Praise God. Now, so this is a common experience that we have, these testings and trials that we're going through. Anybody through it in a test or trial right now? Or am I the only one? Am I the only one in here? Okay, praise God. I, y'all, just let me talk then, okay? It <laughs> doesn't apply to you. Y'all good, okay? Like in cards, you know, I'm good. I'm going to stand pat. I'm good right here but I'm, I'm going to share some things with you so that you can be encouraged, that even Jesus had temptation. Did you know that? The Bible says that in all points he was tested like we were, but yet without sin. Isn't that nice? Everything that, Jesus has, uh, that we're going through, Jesus already has gone through it and gotten the victory for us. Let's look at an example here. Uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, contemplating his impeding crucifixion, uh, this is a pressure moment if I've ever seen one. He, he was looking at the difficulties, the pain, the suffering, the embarrassment, and the shame that he was going to have to share or, or be faced with. He entertains the thought of maybe there's another way. He lived here 33 years, lived a perfect life, three solid years of ministry, did everything the Father asked him to do. He preached, he taught, he healed the sick, right? Then he comes to the point where this is a, this is a pressure moment right here. And let's see what he says. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What's he saying? He's saying, you know, is there another way we can do this? <laughs> if it's possible, let this cup pass. Wait a minute, Jesus. You can't let this cup pass. If, if, you, if this cup passes, we don't have salvation. We don't have forgiveness, forgiveness of sins. We can't get to heaven. This cup can't pass, Jesus, you got you to gotta take it. If it's possible, let this cup pass. He, he entertained the thought of maybe we can do it another way. I know when we were <clears throat> raising Charles, or rearing him as, as proper English, <clears throat> cattle are raised and people are reared. That's what I learned. So uh, when it came time to spank him for something that he did. He, would, he, being the lawyer that he was going to be, he said, can we do this another way? <laughs> Is there any other punishment that we could go through? I mean, what, restriction, what, how many times are you going to hit me, you know? And he's just trying to negotiate. And Jesus just hinted, if there be another way. And we have that, we, we you know, uh, you know you're supposed to give, forgive someone, but you really don't want to. Is there another way I can do this? Can I just forgive him in my heart? <laughs> I'm supposed to pay this person back, but I don't really have all the funds. I'd rather keep them to myself, right? (laughs) I'm supposed to tell the truth, but I just want to fudge a little bit. I'm supposed to be kind to this person that I can't stand. Is there another way? Can I just avoid him altogether, not even come in contact with him? Uh, This is a pressure moment that we have to face. It's easier, it would have been easier for Jesus just to pass on the cross, but he had to continue. But he was our example. He's our test. He, he, he took the big test, and so we have um, uh, time to, to um, see how he handled it. And so we have to resign ourselves to know that these crucial times are going to come up in our life. But there's four things that it approves. First, it's a testing period. We're put to the test to believe God during the test. It's okay to say, oh, you read the the Bible. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to be patient in tribulation. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to have joy in believing. But then when it happens, it's like, oh, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know what I'm going to do. But this is a test to see what you're going to do. It's a transition moment because if you handle it right, promotion comes if you do the right thing. When Abraham offered his son as a sacrifice, God said, now I know that you love me. And because of that, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. It's a triumphant moment. It's a moment of victory where you say, I won. It's good to know that you win, isn't it? When you play a sport, at the end, somebody wins, somebody loses. It's much better to, you feel better when you win. You know, people, <laughs> and people say, well, um, let's just play for the fun of it. Well, it's no fun when you don't win. <laughs> you know, I've had to learn that now in playing basketball, I have to learn that, oh, it's okay to lose once in a while, you know, but just don't talk to me, okay? I don't want to hear about how you won, you know? The guys that won, this oh, wasn't that a good game? I go, no, it was not a good game. <laughs> we lost, you won, it's not a good game. And then it's a teaching moment. It's a time when you have to learn to trust in him. So I, I became aware of these critical moments in playing softball, because I used to be an umpire, so I'd go to the uh, field, and I would umpire three games each night, and I saw how there's ebb and flows in the game. People would, there was times when people, there was crucial times when a good hit or a good play in the field changed the whole perspective of the game, changed it and flipped it to one side, and so I saw these crucial critical moments, and I was able to spot them out and know, okay, this is a critical moment right here, and so I, I, I could see the teams, and uh, I, where I was playing in one game, and the catcher, he was very enthusiastic. He was very like, okay, guys, let's go. We're, we're, come on, throw the ball around, okay, we got this, we got this. And I, I, I'm leading off, and I look at him, I go, you need to be quiet. <laughs> so I took some dirt there, and I just went on his, on his shoes, you know. And he looked at me, and he looked at the ump, and he says, can he do that? Well, the umpire's my friend. He says, well, I don't know, but play ball. <laughs> And that guy was quiet, and we beat him handedly. Then there's this one time we're playing the, the first place team; we were tied for first place. And so I just accidentally, coincidentally, went into the scorecard sheet and found out how they scored. And they would score like five runs a game, uh, five runs an inning, and then have a bunch of zeros. So I said, "Hmm, I got to find out when they start getting that trend going. And what I have to do is distract them." So I had some lady friends of mine. I said, can you dress up in some costumes and wear a big coat? And then when I tell you, just open up the coat and start taunting the the, the batter. You you don't, Tony, you've never seen that done? No, no, no. So (laughs) sure, not at a baseball (laughs) game. So surely, here we are, the fifth inning Getting, they got men on base. They're getting ready to score. And I wave my hat from left field. I go, OK, girls, now do it. And they open up their coat, and they had these costumes. They go, hey. The guy's name was Witherspoon. He go, hey, Spoony, Spoonie, hey, Spoony!" And he just looked. He just cracked up. Oh, my God. I stepped out of the box. And then he got up and grounded out. End of the game. Why? I got to the, I got a critical point in the game, and I knew it's gonna go one way or it's gonna go the other. Do you feel that in life sometimes? This is a crucial moment. Whatever decision I make right now is gonna make a difference in my life. It'll change your situation. I know when I was taking that test for Kaiser, or the typing test, and, and I was typing and typing and typing and practicing and practicing, I couldn't pass the darn thing. Only 35 words per minute. I got 33, 34, 20. I go, hi, yeah. yay. you can only take it six times. I took it like eight, ten times. I <laughs> could not pass it. And I said this, I'm thinking to myself, if I don't pass this test, there goes my retirement. I got to go find another job. I got to go home and tell Marianne. <laughs> it was critical. And sure enough, somehow they bypassed the, the typing test because I was already employed there. And, and my boss said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it for you. <sighs> Crucial, critical time. Amen? Amen? So we, <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk, we had a guy on our team, and I want to tell you about this, and then I'll get back to the real meat of the message here. But this applies. We had a friend named Bobby Reavers, and mom, my wife knows him. He was a clutch hitter. I mean, this, this man can hit the ball. We call him long ball hitting Bobby Reavers. He can hit the ball so far you just look at him and go like, my Lord, can anybody hit it that far? But then he also knew how to dip the ball so he can go over the shortstop's head and then dip down. He hit, hit the, the top, top spin. And so he played on a team, the A team, and they never lost because they hit the ball so far. The fielders had to go back, and when they went back, they just dipped the ball and got base hits every time. They scored like 20, 30 runs every game. Couldn't beat him he, on the A team. So we said, Bobby, why don't you come play with us? We're on the B B team. <laughs> and so we, it took us a while to finally convince him. So he went and tell, told his coach, I'm going to go play for the B team. And the coach looked, what are you, why? Those are a bunch of scrubs. Why, why are you going to play with them? He said, because they're my friend, my friends. And I'm going to relate this to Jesus because Jesus was in the A team up in heaven he came down to the B team, which is us, the Scrubs, because what? We're his friends. So the coach came to me. He said, I I don't know why Bobby wants to play with you. I tried to talk him out of it, but he just wants to play with you guys. So I'll tell you a little tip. Whenever you need a base hit from Bob, you just go to him and tell him, Bob, we need a hit right now. And he'll come through every time. I said, every time? He goes, every time. I said, "Okay." So guess what, next game, here it is, bottom of the last inning. We got men on base, we need a base hit to win. So I said, I said, oh wait a minute, this is it right here. Time out, time out, time out. Bobby, I looked him in the eye. Bobby, we really need a hit right now. We really need a hit, I put two in there. We really need a hit. Okay, gets up there, sure enough, base hit. We win the game. This went on for a year and a half. He never failed. Always came through. It was amazing. It, you know, and then I got a little more casual about it. I just, from the coach's box, I go, hey, uh, uh, Bobby, we need a hit now. Come on now. Come on now. Base hit. Then I got real casual, even from the, from the bench. All right, Bobby, come on now. Hit, hit that. Need a hit, Bobby. Come on. He would do it. Then one day it happened. Come on, Bobby, we need a hit. And he flew out to left field. He comes running back. I go, Bobby, what happened? He goes, I'm getting older now. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. I, I can't do it like I used to. I, I, I'm not as good as I once was, but once in a while I can be as good as I was. But I can't do it all the time. I go, oh, this is disappointing news, Bobby. But guess what? Jesus is the one that delivers for us, and he never fails. He never gets tired. He never runs out of juice. Amen? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's your clutch performer. Whenever you need him, just call upon him, and he'll be there for you. Praise the Lord. Amen. So um, I said all this to talk to you about this uh, story in 2 Kings 20, but I want to preface it with my own personal story. So I I think a a lot of you remember or know that Four years ago, I was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer, and it was in my, it was a, a tumor in my, my throat, and so I knew this was the pressure moment. I know, I got to do some things here. I got to change some habits. I got to change my diet. I got to change my confession. I got to call upon the name of the Lord, and I will be saved. And so uh, after two and a half months of doing that, voila, everything was taken care of. Praise the Lord. So I hadn't I got casual, got relaxed, you know, and so everything was fine. And then all of a sudden I went to the doctor's last week and he said, well, you know, we don't have a tumor or anything, but you got some uh, uh, excess multi- uh, white blood cells roaming around in your stomach. He said, we need to address that. So he showed me on, on the x-ray machine. I go, hmm. I told him, I'll just speak to it. <laughs> he said, well, what if it doesn't listen? <laughs> I said, it, it'll listen. You remember, doc. You remember when I... Spoke to it on my neck. He goes, Okay, well, we'll keep a watch on it. We'll see what, what happens and uh, we'll check on it. So I'm in that, that period of believing God now, not getting lazy, not on the bench. Now I'm in the game. Praise the Lord. And so I'm excited about it because there's joy and peace in believing. But a lot of times when you're going through something, you want to find a scripture where it happened to somebody else so that you can adapt to it, relate to it, and see how God thinks and how he works. Is that not true? So here I, I see in this 2 Kings 20, verse 1, now this, this guy's in a little bit more desperate situation than I am, but in, it says here, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, went to him and said to him, thus saith the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die and not live. Now that's not good news, is it? <laughs> I mean, it's one thing when the doctor says you're in trouble, but when the Lord says you're going to die, there's, who do you go to? <laughs> who, who do you appeal to? God said you're going to die. Now, what I learned about this Hezekiah, he was a good man. He was a good king. He did good thing. God wasn't mad at him, but he wasn't trusting in the Lord. He wasn't calling upon the name of the Lord. So he said, set your house in order. So the, the bad news is, you're, you're going to die. But the good news is you got some time. Right? Set your house in order. That's going to take some time to do, isn't it? Right. You know, God could have just knocked them out, just like Ananias and Sapphira. You lied to the Holy Ghost, your body is dead on the floor. He told Nineveh, uh, he told Jonah about Nineveh, 40 days, and 40 days I'm going to destroy Nineveh. He had, they had 40 days to repent. So I'm thinking, okay, here it is. Uh, I got some time. I got some time to make some adjustments, make some diet. How many of you have to have had to change your diet in the last five to ten years? Anybody? Am I the only one here? Okay, praise the Lord. How many of you need to change your diet? (laughs) 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 Yeah. So, so this is an irreversible situation. God's saying you're going to die. Let's see what happens. So then Hezekiah turned his face toward the, the wall. He wanted to be alone. He wanted to be focused in on the Lord and prayed to the Lord saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Here's a grown man, a king, weeping bitterly. You ever had to weep before the Lord? He said, Lord, I don't want this to happen to me. But he gave his credentials, he gave his resume, he gave his credit report. He said, listen, I've walked before you in truth with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. I'm doing good here, Lord. Why is this happening to me? He said, I don't want to die. I want to live and see the glory of God. Praise the Lord. So the Bible says that your good works will go before you. When you pray to the Lord and you have a good resume, you can bring it up to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm doing what you've called me to do. Why would you take me out? I'm working for you. We're going to find out why God told him this in a few minutes. So your works on earth will determine what God will do from heaven. So let's look at this next slide. Says, And it happened. This is amazing. Before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him and saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, surely I will heal you. That's a quick turnaround, isn't it? What changed God's mind, or what changed the situation? That he cried out to the Lord. That's all. One prayer can change God's action. And he said, I've seen your tears, but I've heard your prayer. How many of you know when you were a kid and your parents were punishing you and you'd be crying and they could hear you in your room, And what would they say? What are you crying about? I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> I never understood that because <laughs> what it was was you're crying just because you, you, know, you want some pity. But there's no repentance there. You didn't come out and say, "Mommy, you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't know what I was doing. F- forgive me. No, you just cry. <laughs> well, Hezekiah's crying, but he said, look at uh, I, I, I'm, I'm working for you. And so he said, I've seen your tears. <laughs> because you know what? God, he, he's an emotional God. He has anger. He has joy. He has jealousy. He has all these things. He has love. So he was touched with the, with the cry of Hezekiah. So then, let's see. On the third day, here's the answer, on the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord and I will add to your days 15 years and I will deliver you from this city from the hand of the king of Assyria and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. What is God saying? He said, I got future plans for you. I'm glad you came to me and talked to me about this. Now I can move in your behalf. I don't remember Hezekiah making this in his prayer. He said, I just want to live. God said, "That's good, because I got something. I want to uh, deliver you from the, this city from the king of Syria. I want to defend it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David." Why is that? Because the Bible said that God told David that there would be a seed from his uh, lineage on the throne of Israel all the days of existence, right? But uh, Hezekiah's son hadn't been born yet. So he had to live 15 more years. He had to live so that he could have a child. that would. Fo- this is the, he's in the lineage of, of Jesus. Praise God. He's, he's, he's an important person. But God was seeing. are you going to come to me? Because he's the king. I'm sure he went to all the doctors in the land and asked them, what can I do? What he had is he had a boil and he had an infection in his boil. And all the doctors and all the physicians, they couldn't find the answer to it. And God said, well, I'm waiting for you to come and talk to me about this. How many of you know sometimes you go to the doctors, they can't figure out what's wrong with you? But you go to God, and God said, I know what the problem is. So look what he did. Look what he did. This is amazing. Then Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. The figs extracted the infection out of the boil. Now, why, why didn't the doctors know this? God knew it. God knew what to do, and a lot of times we have to look and see. We have a situation that we're facing. God, what do I do in this situation? What do I need to change? What do I need to adjust? How can I get delivered? And my question is, why didn't God just heal him right then? Why did he have to do the fig thing? (laughs) Right? Well, I'm thinking sometimes God uses natural means to bring about healing. So if you have to take medicine or if you have to go to the doctors or whatever you have to do, that's okay. You know, God can use both of them together to bring deliverance. Praise God. So uh, we have to believe that God is able to do great things through us and believe in him all the way. So you might say, well, how do I get in position to make sure that I am able to handle these tests and trials? Is that what you're thinking? Is that what you got in your notes? How can, what? Okay, this is good, Hezekiah, but can you spell it out a little better Pastor, can you give me some points that I can hang my hat on? Glad you asked. Okay. (laughs) Let's see. Do we have that? Okay, here it is. Resist the devil and he will flee. What? Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out to get us in every little situation. The Bible says, but submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's good news, isn't it? He will flee. He's got to, and, and the description is: he will flee as in terror. He's afraid of us. We can scoot him along. You know what I mean? Praise the Lord. You know the story about this guy that had seven cats, and so in his garage he put seven uh, uh, cat doors. And they, his neighbor said, "Why you got seven cat doors?" He goes, "I got seven cats." He goes, "Well, you only need one or two. He goes, "When I say scat, I mean scat." <laughs> I want them all to go, like, now, go. So, that, so, resist the devil. Relentless praying. Bible says men ought always to pray and not faint and lose heart. When these situations comes, you can't just lay in bed and go, oh, no, what am I going to do? Call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, relentless, 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 never giving up praying. You know, when I had the, the, the cancer in my, my throat, I told people it wasn't one big prayer. It was a thousand little prayers. Continually, relentlessly relentlessly praying to the Lord. Right positioning. That means don't leave your family. Don't leave your job. Don't leave your church. don't, Don't stop doing things. Just keep going on. Position yourself. Be in the place where God has called you to be. And watch his glory come to pass in your life. Revelation from God. You have to hear what God says about your situation. Reveal to me, Lord, what's going on here? What do I need to do? In Hezekiah's case, he just needed to come to him, present his situation, and let the Lord give him deliverance. That's so good, isn't it? Sometimes we get stumped. We go like, what do we do, Lord? Open up your heart. Say, Lord, what do we do in this situation? Help me. Show me. Praise God. And then profess. Profess what God has said. When he tells you this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, confess that lord you said that by his stripes i by jesus stripes i am healed how many times do you say it over and over and over again because what faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god you don't just say it once and well lord i thank you that i'm healed no (laughs) those of you that are you know veterans in the lord You have to continually say it because you have to get that flow going because faith comes by speaking and hearing and you'll see God work. The last thing is partnership. Being around other people who believe that God will do all things, that all things are possible to them that believe. Praise God. You don't want to go to somebody and say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You're such a good man. I don't know what's going to happen to you, but I'm so sorry. No, stop that. (laughs) <laughs> God told Joshua be strong and of good courage yeah. right strong be strong and courageous <laughs> don't be like wimping out oh no, no I don't know what I'm going to do something's got to rise up on the inside the glory of the Lord is our strength praise God so we have to proclaim what God has said and you say well you know what Pastor Chuck I, I, it's too late I already choked I already missed it I already went past the point of, of, of change where I could have responded to the Lord, but I didn't. It's not too late. Never too late. God knows how to make everything arranged together for our good. That's his job, you know. That's his way of doing it. I mean, I, some of you that are older remember, um, I think his name is Tom Hatton. He used to do squiggles. How many of you remember Tom Hatton? Did he used to do squiggles. Yes? Yeah, okay, very good. Okay, those of us that raised their hand, we know how old you are. <laughs> but for your young folk... What they would do is they put a, a, a little, he was an artist, and they would put uh, on a pad, yeah, easel, they'd just do a little squiggle like this or like that. And he could make a whole picture out of it, whether it be a face or it be a horse or whatever. So you might give just a little squiggle, you know. God, I'm believing you. And he's going to say, okay, I'm going to create a whole image, a whole picture where you are victorious and where you win. Praise God. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you that as we come before you, if we have crossroads and turning points and situations in our lives, that we're looking for you to make the change and help us in all that we do. We're asking you right now. We're believing in you that, Lord God, as you've given us promises, that, Lord, you're able also to fulfill them. So we thank you that we consider not our own body, we stagger not at the promises of God, but we become fully persuaded that what you have promised, you're able also to perform. So let's just take a moment in your own seats and in your own mind and heart. Lift up those situations that you're facing that you say, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You may be uh, not dying, but maybe you're dying emotionally. Maybe you're dying relationship-wise. Maybe you're dying financially. But God is able to bring you back to life and bring hope into into your being. So Father, I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name.